Thank you for listening to another Girl I've Been There Too episode. Faraha is happy in Swahili, and our guest today knew that she was unhappy, but that she deserved happiness. Finding it, though, meant leaving her marriage and all that she thought that came with being in a relationship. But in order to find her happy for herself and her children, she had to make the tough decisions that none of us want to ever have to make. But in the end, she did what she needed to do to find her happy. Welcome to an episode in our Girl, I've Been There Too series. This series profiles our sisters who have been where you are. They know the stress, pain, confusion, relief, anger, and everything in between that you are feeling about divorce because they've been there too. This is real life and real talk because sometimes that's what we really need. They are sharing their experiences so that you too will know that you are not alone, that your grown girl community is behind you, and that you're grown. You got this. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Today's episode is a part of our Girl I've Been There Too series. So our guest today is graciously agreed to share her story with us. So I'm going to let her start out by telling us a little bit about herself so that we can all kind of further connect. And then we'll go into our discussion um, about the overall process, where she's been and how she's doing. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I am excited to be able to share my story in hopes that it would help someone else. Um, I believe that's the only way we can get through in life um, is by the help of others. So uh, just a little bit about me. Um, I uh, have a servitude students. Um, so I work in that arena. I am a mother of two. Great. Great. And, you know, certainly we are here and connected because you have been um, through a divorce process. We'll talk about um, what it's like to be raising boys um, and having them involved with the process. But I want to start out by, you know, kind of talking about the path to getting here, right? And by path, Tell us, you know, just a bit about how you and your ex met and then how long you were married before finalizing your divorce. Yes. Um, so we met um, post-college. Um, I was 24 years old and um, we met through a friend in the city where we both resided. And um, it was just, you know, by happenstance and, you know, mid twenties, everyone's dating everyone. So <laughs> yeah. you just get, you just get to know people, you know, on, on different levels and, you know, they kind of weed their way out and then you, you know, you exclusively date from that point on. Nice. So here you are post-college and you're so right. The twenties, I feel like that's the, okay, we're kind of getting serious. We're out of college though. I had girlfriends who, um, got married right out of college. I certainly was not in that group. I was not ready by any means. Um, but yes, in that early 20 stage dating and then moving on to, to serious. So here you are now married 
and going through um, what it is to be, you know, young and married and, and living life. How soon after did you guys have children? So I got married at 27. I had my first child at 30 and then the next one at 32 in that order. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so you guys, you had a couple of years of being in the relationship before welcoming your first child. Um, mm-hmm. And so you had that time kind of together and then um, welcoming your second mm-hmm. And so, you know, as you look back on your marriage and your relationship, would you say that there were things then that now being on the other end that you either ignored or that you knew, you know, we've got to figure this out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there were points where I wasn't vocal enough about the help that I needed. Um, And when I did become vocal, it may have been um, maybe overlooked is the word that I would use um, just a little bit. Um, I think also, I think it's just important to um, hold on to those dreams you have, you know, the dreams you have in your twenties, the ones that you want to pursue in your thirties and, you know, life happens, but I think it's important to uh, recognize what those dreams are and still Go after them um, in 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 ways that you that you can, and and really press upon your your partners to provide you with that help. I like that. I think we don't talk enough about how important it is to not just ask for help, but also you know really kind of stay true and consistent with. I need this, right? This is what I need, um, and I know that certainly as wives and mothers, it's easy to always be in the space of helping somebody else and not Mm -hmm. then asking for help. Or once we get to the point of asking for the help, maybe it's a little too late, right? Where it's, we just kind of let things go. And then by the time we ask for it, the help that either isn't received or is just isn't, isn't what we need it to be. And then in terms of, you know, having dreams and pursuing those dreams, I think it's hard as a couple sometimes to continue on the path as a couple, but also recognize that as individuals, you each came into the relationship with your own dreams and goals and, and how we make those things, you know, work when, when really life starts to happen. Did you find that um, external help was something that worked for you guys or was something that maybe you should have really pursued? And by external help, I'm meaning, you know, therapy or a coach or a pastor trying to figure out ways of forging um, a path forward for the two of you? Um, I, I believe that those things came into play maybe too late. So I think I think at every turn you have, you should have a, a therapist or a pastor, some form of a counselor-related uh, outlets. So once you get married, do a yearly check-in. When you become pregnant, during your pregnancy, after your baby, like I think at every turning point, in a relationship, there should be a third party or an additional outlet. Um, so you can just check in, you know, if you if if checking in with your spouse is, seems kind of unproductive, just bringing in a third party at those different turns of life, I think would be extremely helpful. So in my case, um, I think the, the, the counselor, the therapy, I think that came in um, just a little too late 
in, in terms of, you know, in, in dealing with issues, because now we're, we're dealing with issues that are years, you know, undertaking yeah. um, that, you know, uh, it just takes a lot to unravel. It's a good point where it's, you know, at these relationship changes, at these kind of um, what we'll call milestones. So, you know, here we've been married a year and we know the first year of marriage is hard, right? It's, it's two people coming together, but then people forget about the second year is hard and the third and the fourth, you know, marriage is, um, it takes work. And so having the ability to do the check-in, I really like that. And then on top of that, the having kids, changing jobs, all the other things, but having some ability at some point throughout the year to really kind of touch base because you're right. You look up five years has gone. And a lot of the things that you didn't address or didn't check up on, you're now five years down the road. And sometimes it builds resentment. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's hard to kind of unpack all of those years later when we're talking about something that may have happened the first year that we didn't address, but then other things just, you know, started to compound and unravel. Makes sense. Yeah. I get that. I, um, you know, I think about often when women come in and they are talking about how long they've been thinking about divorce and um, not in the space of, I know it's exactly what I want to do, but it kind of crossed their mind at some point. Would you say that was your experience at all where it was you know, divorce is of course that dreaded word, right? None of us want to ever be in that space. But when we think about, is this our reality? Was that something that you came to right away or was it over time? I think for me, it happened over time, but I tried to ignore the signs. I I, I tried to say, okay, I'm going to jump back in. I'm going to try again. Um, You know, and then I don't try or my efforts does, don't reflect what I said I would do. Then I'm just trying to restart, try again. Um, and it's it's one of those things where, I mean, when you know, you know, when you know, you feel, you know, depleted on all fronts, um, you've checked out, you know, mentally. I don't think that those are emotions that a person should ignore. Um and I do think that I try to process through, I think as a lot of women do, we try to process through a strategy or a plan or something that we can feel comfortable in if we have to support ourselves or what different scenarios will look like. How will this impact my children? You know, just thinking about all of the different outcomes that could possibly take place. I think that's what took me the longest to get to an initial conversation. Um, it took some months to get there, probably six months, six to eight months to, to really vocalize, you know, how I had been feeling prior. I mean, you know, six to eight months, I know women who are like, it took me years, right? Because of all of those things um, where it's, this is, not just a risk, but the reality of ending a relationship and then moving in a different direction, especially when we have kids, we are asking ourselves all of those questions. And I found that what happens then is 
we just kind of get stuck or we freeze where we are mm-hmm. for fear that, am I overreacting? Maybe I'll just restart. Maybe we should try again. Maybe it should. And again, we look up a couple months have passed, a year has passed. Nothing has really changed. We're kind of still in the same um, space and cycle, but yet it's really the fear of the unknown. And mm-hmm. so um, having, I think, a plan, having the conversations like we're having are really important to shine light that you can make certain decisions. You can look into and explore varying options and how important that is for you during the process. Yeah. And I would also like to point out, it's okay to have a a therapist by your side while you're processing those things. That's what I know I had to do for myself. I had to get with someone individually to hear me out, you know, to talk to on a on a weekly basis to help me understand what does it mean to work the steps? You know, what are, what is the best path forward? The safest path for path forward, you know? Um, and I, I'm really thankful for it, for that experience because I was able to unpack a lot of things about myself, um, my past, um, and how, and how I landed in the space where I landed. Sure. Um, and, and really a lot of self-discovery um, to become a, a stronger, more self-reliant person. So I think that that's, you know, where you can get your strength from is from, you know, having having supportive uh, outlets, you know, therapists, friends, um, people who really, you know, they, they understand and they get you. Um, so for me, that was one of the encouraging factors going through this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important to have those outlets, right? But I think it's also um, the idea that we are all trying to do everything alone. We have somehow been ingrained to, you know, asking for help, looking for support is somehow a sign of weakness when in fact it's not. And certainly when we're having these questions about, you know, am I happy? Is this the relationship I'm supposed to be in? You know, is this the life I kind of envisioned finding those safe spaces to have those conversations, to ask the real hard questions, but then from there, figuring out what is the best path. I certainly am one who said, yes, I host um, a podcast about divorce and, you know, have conversations with women all the time about divorce, but I will be the first one to say divorce isn't for everybody. And I'm not, pushing and pro divorce in that way, I am pushing and pro figuring out the path that works for you and for your family. Um, Because sometimes along this, what I'll call the divorce consideration journey, you realize that maybe it isn't for you, but to take that journey to figure out what makes the most sense for you and your partner, I think is what's most important. And it sounds like for you, figuring out I needed, there were some things that I needed to address for me. So then I can then be in the kind of space and relationship that makes most sense for me. So once you, you know, started down this self-discovery path and you're asking these questions and um, come to the realization that moving forward as a couple just isn't where 
you guys were, were headed. How did you kind of have the conversation? How did you get to the, this is what's happening? Um, well, um, my therapist recommended to have the conversation, you know, in a public place, um, treat it as like a lunch. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it was just really, it was, it was uncomfortable, but yeah. I had to do it. Um, you know, just, just stating how I have been feeling, you know, how I don't feel fulfilled. I'm not happy. Um, hear all the reasons why, um, and just saying, you know, I'm, you have to, you have to say the words you have to say, you know, I am like contemplating a separation, you know, contemplating, you know, a divorce. Um, I know this may not be, you know, what you would like to hear. Um, but I have to be honest and, and just really pointing out the things like, I'm just not, I'm just, I'm, I'm mentally not here. Um, and I think that that was huge for me to be able to do because I had checked out. I wasn't the same person. And, you know, when I think about the person that I was um, going through that process, I think my mental health was just in the fryer. Um, and my kids didn't see a happy mom. Um, I was depressed um, and just not just not available. Like I was, it was almost as if I was frozen. And so having that conversation and um, understanding that the other person's emotions are not going to be favorable. They're going to be all over the place sure. and preparing yourself for that. Um, and, you know, allowing them to go through those emotions and not, and not um, creating an uncomfortable, more uncomfortable space, I think is also important. So being on the receiving end of those emotions you have to be aware of and just taking some time off. Like I had to take some time off to kind of process all of these things. Maybe I think maybe I checked into a hotel by myself for a weekend um, because I just needed this, the mental space. Um, so those were the beginning phases of, you know, voc vocalizing on where I was in, in the path that I felt that I was going down. That makes sense. I think, you know, you mentioned saying the words, right. And how important it is to give voice to, this is not just a, I'm unhappy today, or I'm unhappy that we had a fight yesterday, or I'm unhappy that like, this is a, difficult, certainly conversation to have. And so it's, you know, coming to the conversation, not just prepared to kind of give voice to what's going on, but then saying very clearly, you know, I'm considering a separation or I'm considering divorce, or I would like a divorce and really laying it out there. But also you mentioned being ready to be on the receiving end for the wave of emotion that's coming. Because my better guess is that most people don't have the conversation and the response is, oh, okay, cool. Maybe there is, right? Maybe there's a couple out there who they have kind of been waiting for one or the other to say, you know, yes. And everybody's like, all right, great. But I would say, you know, the majority, um, it, it hits and it's a wave. And, and 
allowing the other person to feel their emotions and process through and giving them time and giving yourself time um, is certainly really, is certainly really important. No, um, absolutely. I, I think about the stages of grief and I say that because we know that in the stages of grief, you process through different stages at different times. And it's the same kind of thing when you think about the relationship is ending. Certainly, um, it's not death to oneself because, you know, there is certainly life after divorce. However, mm-hmm. the relationship is coming to an end and there is a grieving process for that. And you have to grieve, but you have to give the other person their ability and their space to grieve. And so having that conversation and letting them go through whatever emotions that they need to, um, so that you guys together can figure out what's the next plan. So here you are, you've had this conversation, um, you know, and you have two, you've two boys, right? You have two little boys. Um, at what point do you tell them things are changing? Well, um, I think that that probably came about when, uh, well, the first thing was they saw mommy and daddy weren't in the same room anymore. Okay. Mommy moved to the guest room. Daddy was in one room. So I felt like that was kind of confusing for them. But when dad went and got a, you know, new place of residence, it's just, Daddy's going to be over here, you know, and you have your home here. Okay. I don't think that the children are of age to understand what the word divorce means because they're so young. They just know that there's a schedule. They'll spend time with dad. They'll spend time with mom, but they'll always be together. But we are always, you know, a family. We all still love each other. We'll try to do some family outings together. Um, where they can see the both of us together um, and or show up to activities together just so they know that we that they're loved on all sides. Okay. Um, and maybe we can explain it in a more mature way as they mature. But my advice to anyone who has small children or children in general, if you're contemplating separation or divorce, I think it's best to do it when the kids are small, so, you know, you can explain in a childlike way versus when they're older and they're a little bit more aware of their surroundings or they're aware of how life works. Yeah. Um, right now, we're able to just express to them that mommy and daddy live in two different places, but they still love each other. And we love you, too. Nice. Yeah, I think, you know, many times particularly women stay in relationships because they're worried about the kids and the impact of the kids. And, you know, we've talked about often how I understand that on one hand, but on the other hand, what are the things that we're modeling? Because you were just saying, you know, the kids recognize mom and dad are not staying in the same room. And even when they're little kids pick up on things. And so- you know, this idea that we're going to stay together for the sake of quote, staying together, but it's toxic in the home, or I'm not being treated in the way that I should be, or I'm not happy. And so I'm a shell of a person really is modeling, you know, really 
detrimental behavior um, to the children. And so it really, I think, is important to, again, we talk about getting those supports, having those conversations with a therapist or um, other trusted person to really kind of help you think through the does it make sense? Because what am I showing my kids, whether it's boys or girls, about relationships, about my own, you know, self-worth and, and all of those things. So I do like that you were like, they, you know, know and see. Yeah. And and my therapist, she recommended a book called Dinosaur for Divorce. Yes. Um, and I I did purchase the book, but I just felt like for my kids, it was maybe a little bit too harsh to okay. break down like that. Um, but for some, you know, it may it may work, you know, maybe reading a story to that end may work. But I know I think for me, explaining to them in a very childlike way, you know, what the new changes are is is helpful. Thank you for bringing up that book, but also just the idea that with resources, one size doesn't fit all. And right. There are a number of, I think, very good children's books. In fact, if you go to the uh, Grown Girl Divorce website, we do have book lists um, for adults and children, but knowing your own kids, knowing your kids and what they are developmentally ready for is more important than I'd say, you know, rushing to get a ton of books because you're right. One book may be great for one family and it may not be, um, you know, the, the right fit for somebody else. So thank you for certainly saying that, because I do think sometimes we are looking for resources. We're looking for information, which can be helpful, but we have to kind of know what works best for our family and ourselves. So here you are, you've got two kids. We're separated um, and working through what the next phase and next steps look like. How did you then move through the actual divorce process? What was the process for you and what made the most sense in terms of um, how you were going to move forward in the, the legal process? Well, I think um, the first thing I thought about were my own finances and um, sheltering, sheltering away money um, for in preparation for, you know, a divorce process. Um, just, you know, from a financial standpoint, um, I was already contributing to the household in a certain way. Okay. And I just took it upon myself to just contribute, you know, to a personal fund even more. So uh, just to kind of get my my gears in order and to know what it would feel like if I had to support myself on my own. Okay. So, you know, just not just paying half the bills, but no, like really sheltering away cash as if, you know, this is me on my own. I have to take full responsibility for my living expenses and everything. So getting, putting that into practice, was something that I initially did. Um, and then I contacted a friend who I know went through something similar, um, which which took, you know, some thought because you don't want everyone to know sometimes what you're going through. But she sure. was a very trust, she was a very trusted friend. 
Um, and she referred me to some additional resources, which I am incredibly forever grateful for. Um, and things just kind of went from there. And I, and I had to, you know, with those resources, they explained to me the difference between mediation and the difference between hiring an attorney, um, and save me a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to do research, right? And I think it's important to ask those questions because look, divorce is expensive, right? Getting married was expensive, planning a wedding and all of the fun things. And we all know those costs can add up quickly, but there's a good chance that in like wedding preparation, we all did the flower research versus the caterer research versus all, mm -hmm. you know, should I do destination or local? All these things, when it comes to the divorce, it's very similar. Does it mm -hmm. make sense for us to try mediation with an attorney or without an attorney? Does it make sense for us to go the collaborative process or the truly litigated process? And sometimes those things are laid out just based on how the, you know, the couple interacts and engages with one another. But if you have the ability, like it sounds like you and your spouse did to look into other things and try a different process and really figure out what makes the most sense, you can save yourself a lot of time and a lot of money um, mm -hmm. knowing that again, one size doesn't fit all and finding what makes the most sense for you. So tell me, what have you learned about yourself through all of this? Um, I think I've learned to recognize my own strength. Um, some things that I never knew existed within me are, are within me. Um, and recognizing to ch always choose myself and put myself first. Not just even through going through this process, but in relationships to come, um, to be vocal, to state what my needs are and to hold those, hold that person that I am with accountable of those things. I think accountability is huge in any relationships. And I think I've also I'm not going to say master, but I become I become more well equipped to have uncomfortable conversations. OK. Um, with, with, uh, my ex-spouse with, you know, any potential, uh, persons or people that may want to date you, me, you know, just being able to have and be more vocal up front, um, has been just one of the greatest things I think I've learned about myself so far. I like the you found your voice, right? You found your voice. You're holding yourself and others accountable. And who knew, right? That through all this, that's, that's oftentimes, um, where we land, um, mm -hmm. that certainly it's a difficult process and one that nobody expects to, to go through. But when you get then to the other side and are able to kind of look back and say, you know, along the way, there were some things that I can now um, hold on to on a going on a going forward. What's the best thing that's happened to you since being divorced? Um, I think it's the energy. I think it's just feeling like this has been a transformational process for me. I do feel like a different person. 
I can wholeheartedly say that um, I feel more grounded, more centered. I feel more, I feel stronger um, than I ever have before. Um, and I know that I can rely on myself more for, for certain things. Um, it's kind of like I was pouring from an empty cup, but now my cup feels more full. I also, I'm grateful that, you know, my children can see a happier mom. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a little bit more lighter. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, I feel so dragged down for all of those years, but I just don't think that I was listening to my my inner voice um, and, and following and acting on those those things that were always in the background. Um, I feel like a new person. <laughs> I like it. I, I It's as simple as that, right? I'm a new person. And, and that's that is where we all kind of hope to find ourselves that you know, through the midst of all of this, that you were able to really kind of find you um, and just being excited about what's to come and and really being um, your best self for your kids. Uh, Because I think at the end of the day, married or divorced, as a mother, we all want the best for our children. And so being able to show them and to give them our best selves, I think is, is truly a gift. And I don't think that we oftentimes think about that when we are going through the motions of, of things. And so it resonates with me in saying you were, you know, pouring from an empty cup for many years and now feeling like, okay, I can, I can, now rejuvenate and and really show up for them in the way that I haven't been able to in a while. And I, I also want to just touch on briefly how important it is um, as women go through this process to not take on everyone else's opinion or their deposits, um, because that can that can just stretch your mental capacity. Um, not everyone needs to know everything, you know, and if you have those few trusted friends or that therapist that you can talk to, you know, I would just stay in that space, stay in that lane. Um, because that was one thing I also had to shield myself from is I'm not here to be a people pleaser. This is my life. This is the car that I'm driving and I, I am the ruler of my destiny. So, I just can't take on everyone's opinion or or what they may want to, you know, say in that moment because it's it's such a vulnerable space to be in and you just want to protect yourself in that way, safeguard yourself from just so many different things. Everybody has something to say when mm-hmm. you're going through the process and and you are so right. You this is not the time to share with anybody and everybody be intentional and selective about what you share when you share it this is your process your journey you don't owe anybody anything so you know making sure that you protect that and move forward um i don't know about your experience but i will say this just as somebody who's helped women navigate through this How many times I have calls years later where someone will say, you know, Kim, the minute I was done with my process, my phone was ringing off the hook or everybody was texting me like, girl, I wish, you know, tell me how you did it. Tell me how you, and I said, you'd be surprised, right? You would be surprised, but 
during the process, everybody has something to say about relationship and are you sure and to give their two cents. But the minute you walk through it and you come through it, it it's like you have a neon light on your head yeah. for you know the poster child. So yes, protect yourself and your space and your process. I get it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. get it. I get it. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your process and and really um, giving voice to getting through something that certainly is a challenge. But I think the message being one size doesn't fit all that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel and, um, you know, making sure that you find yourself along the way is is really, I think, helpful for others who may be considering the process or going through the process. So thank you very much for sharing. Oh, no problem. I I really hope that, you know, this uh, podcast resonates with someone um, and that it's helpful and know that there is life after. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.